With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bigger 10 Podcast. I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace. Follow us on Twitter at Bigger 10. That is 10 spelled out T-E-N, not the number. Steve, you came up with a really good idea as you are want to do for these, and I really appreciate that. Prop bets. We want to talk about potential prop bets for the Big Ten in the upcoming NFL draft. Why don't you explain to the uninitiated, since you are our resident Vegas insider and you know War, our friends with War, and have War's phone number, that's Wayne Allen Root. Tell us what prop bets are. He actually just sent me an email the other day. Of course he did. Yeah, because he knew this was coming up. Anytime we anytime we talk gambling or wagering <laughs> and we have to have a competition, I can guarantee you your phone has a message from war, likely outgoing that you spend somehow as hey, he just dropped me a line. Coincidentally. No, this time he did actually email me. This mm-hmm. time he did actually. Yeah, and you say, Hey Wayne, I got an idea for a podcast. What do you think about this? <laughs> so a uh, a prop bet is you know, it's like in the Super Bowl. Uh, who do you think is gonna score the first touchdown? Um, over under on you know uh, completions for Tom Brady since he's basically in the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> All right, that's that's sort of what a prop bet is. And so what I put together here, which you're going to go down the, the line here in a minute, is I put I put together ten prop bets for the NFL draft, which is just two weeks away. Because next week on the podcast wow. we're going to we're going to do a full spring football wrap up for the Big Ten. Yeah, all four teams that had spring week. games. Yes. Well. They've had spring practice, but it looks like half the teams didn't have spring games this year with the weather. But we're going to go through through all fourteen teams with a with a, a hot take uh, on you know where they're at coming out of the spring. So I thought this week let's take a look ahead to the NFL draft and and look at it specifically from a from a Big Ten standpoint. And I got to give a hat tip here. I totally stole this idea. I listened to um, first draft. Every week, which is the podcast Mel Kuyper Jr. and uh, Todd McShay do for ESPN. I listen to it every week. And they did this for their NFL draft podcast this week. And I was sitting there doing some running at the gym. And I'm like, this is a great idea. I'm I'm going home. As soon as I get done, I'm going home. And I'm going to put together a few of these for the Big Ten. Because they spent most of their time not talking about the Big Ten. So I, I thought it'd be cool if we did this just for the Big Ten and had some fun with it. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that right now. Who will have more players selected in the first round? Iowa, Ohio State, or Penn State? Um, Iowa, at best, could have two in Josh Jackson and James Daniels. You will know Ohio State and Penn State more than me, but I think Penn State potentially the two come to mind right away in Barkley and uh, the tight end whose name I always butcher. Gasecki. Gasecki. Yeah. Um, so. And Ohio State would be two. <sighs> they're two. They're two. I mean, de- here's the thing with, with, with all three of these teams is I think the most they could get is two, and, and this is what makes this a tough one. 
is all three of them have a guaranteed one. And then the other one is iffy. So if you look at Iowa, the script is totally flipped now. James Daniels is going in the first round. It's it's Josh Jackson that, that is iffy because he is looked at as scheme-specific. You need to run more of a Seattle Seahawks scheme. And so that, that narrows down um, the list of teams. That Maurice Hurst at Michigan is the same way. Those are two guys that were two of the best defensive players, maybe the two best defensive players in the Big Ten Conference last year. But their particular styles are very scheme-specific. So Maurice Hurst, you've got to be an attacking 4-3 defense. Otherwise, he doesn't really fit in your scheme. And for Josh Jackson, you have to be more of a, of a positional co- coverage defense uh, than a, um, you know, a, a, in, you know, an in your bump and run man to man defense because he's not a quick twitch guy. He's mm-hmm. a he's a physical body, uh, you know, stop the, the quarterback or the, the high point, um, you know, receiver type. And so, you know, Daniels is going in the first Jackson's iffy and Ohio State. Denzel Ward is definitely going in the first Sam Hubbard's iffy. So. It's it's kind of that way with 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 all of those teams. Actually, I'll, that's I'll, what I'll take Penn State. Combat. I'll take Penn State. I think that they those two seem the most likely to me. What about you? I'm going to take Iowa because when I look at when I look at who who the the iffy guy is, he plays a position where you're more inclined. It's one of the glamour positions in the NFL draft corner you're more inclined to see teams reach for a guy because there's such a, a demand on that position. But I think you could make a case for all three schools, but I'm going to go with Iowa. Okay. Um, who will get drafted first, the third quarterback or Saquon Barkley? I'm going to take Barkley. And it's probably counterintuitive given how running backs have – lost their luster with regards to draft picks being so high. But when I look at Barkley's insane measurables, his incredible strength below the waist, um, talking about his legs, his ability to catch passes, be an amazing outlet for teams. I'm going with Barkley. I think he's the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson. I would rank mm. him ahead of Leonard Fournette last year, and he's more explosive, almost as powerful, a lot more durable, a lot more of a threat out of the backfield. Uh, I, I know uh, Booger McFarland at ESPN took a lot of heat last year mm-hmm. for saying that he thought he was the best running back prospect since Barry Sanders. Mm. That's going maybe a little too far. But when, when I'm saying he's the best running back prospect since at least Adrian Peterson, I mean, that's 2005. That's a long 2006. time. Yeah. So that's more than a decade already, you know. So what, what, what this proposition is really asking is, do you believe the New York Giants are going to pick Saquon Barkley at number two or someone's or 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 not? Because if they don't, uh, then then it may, it means they, they took the pass rusher, Bradley Chubb, or they traded that pick. And whoever's trading up into that pick is doing so to get one of those top quarterbacks. So so really what we're asking is, do the Giants take Saquon Barkley, or does he sit there at the four spot with the Browns with their second first-round pick 
after they've already taken a quarterback. I think it's far more likely with a new front office. The Giants will trade that pick to try to get even more picks. And someone's going to trade up there uh, because they're going to, they, they, whether the, the Browns take Josh Allen or Sam Darnold, whichever one they take first, they're going to have a preference for the other guy. And they're going to try to get ahead of the Jets at number three uh, to have their pick. So I'm going to say that the third quarterback gets taken before Saquon Barkley, because I think the most likely scenario is that he goes fourth to the Browns with their second pick in the top five. Number three, will JT Barrett be drafted? I mean, you're looking at one of the three most productive quarterbacks in the history of the Big Ten Conference. Easily. I mean, I can put three there. and At say, least since Drew Brees. At least since Drew Brees, and that's going back to 2000. Yeah, so you have him, Drew, uh, Barkley, Drew Brees, Chuck Long. I mean, when you look at the statistics that Barrett put up, I mean, nearly no equal. And in several key categories, he doesn't have an equal. I got to think that in seven rounds, he'll be picked by somebody. I think, yes, he will be drafted. I don't think he will be. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see that he has a position in the NFL. I think that you know he's a Steve Alford kind of college football player. Um, highly skilled, not as athletic as you think. Um, a great team leader. A lot of intangibles. But I mean, what was the big knock we said? What was the what was the way that you beat Ohio State the last few years? You forced him to beat you throwing the ball down the field, right? That that was the knock on that. Um, he doesn't have the explosiveness that um, that uh, that Braxton Miller had. So I, I don't see a position. I don't see a position switch. I I think. I think it's even possible we'll never see him play another down of football, period, unless he decides he wants to play in one of these new ancillary leagues that's coming up or the Canadian Football League. Isn't that amazing when you look at his pure statistical productivity? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and this goes to show, though, it's a different game. Now, the NFL is adapting more to colleges than – than we've seen in the past. I mean, the Patriots, depending, I mean, they, well, the Patriots change their schemes every week, depending on what they think the weakness of their opponent is. But, but we've seen them run a, pl- a plenty of what we call in college football an air raid offense. We've, we've seen the Patriots do that plenty. We just saw the Eagles RPO the Patriots to death to win the Super Bowl a few months ago. You know, so we're seeing more of that. But, but we're never going to see a guy whose primary, primary effectiveness in, 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 at this level is running a zone read. Correct. You're never going to see that in the NFL. No. That's just too much money spent on quarterbacks. Defensive players are too fast, too violent. You're never going to see that. So that's his game, you know, and I, I just, I, I don't, and without, he doesn't, he doesn't have the explosiveness of a Braxton Miller who switched positions and has kind of been a you know a, a non-entity as a, as a pro football player even after doing so. So that's you know that's what happens when you are a you know 
remember Pat White got a cup of coffee in the NFL coming out of West Virginia, and he he's one of the great, you know, maybe one of the first great zone read quarterbacks that, you know, Rich Rodriguez originally built that West Virginia program around, and he was considered a much better passer than JT Barrett. So I don't see it. Over-under on Big Ten players selected in the first round is eight. I'll go under. We talked about the possible six off Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State. Each of those players would likely need to go to reach the over. I'm taking the under. Yeah, to show you where I came up with this number, those six. Hurst at Michigan, who was a locked first-rounder until the the heart irregularity at the Combine, and it's one of those things, you know, the University of Michigan, like the University of Iowa, and several schools in the Big Ten have top medical schools. So, you know, I'm sure that was monitored the entire time, but that's one of those things that, uh, and we won't know until after the fact, there will be a solid number of NFL teams that will simply take him off their board, period. They'll just say, we're just not even going to mess with it. So he would be seven. Um, oh, I'm trying to go off the top of my head here. Uh, Indiana, no. Purdue, no. Wisconsin, no. Illinois, no. Illinois, no. Minnesota. Minnesota, no. Michigan State, no. Rutgers, Maryland. Maryland's DJ Moore would be number seven as a possibility in the first round. Michigan Rutgers, State. No. Michigan State, no. Um, Wisconsin. No. Uh, nobody at Nebraska. I think that's it. I know I'm missing somebody. I just can't remember who it is now. You taking the over or the under? I'm going to take the under. I agree with you. Over under on Indiana players drafted at three and a half. Um, I would need to call war to have any idea on this one. So I'm going to say under. <laughs> I just was trying. I threw this in there because I was trying to think of the last time we had, you know, I know they had. That this had was like, a debate? Yeah. Because, you know, they the last few years they've had like either a running back and like one really good offensive line. They got a receiver right? and a linebacker for this one. And and a and a tight end, Ian Thomas, and maybe Rashad Fant, who you know that that uh, uh, that corner, who was banged up the last couple of years. So him, yet yeah, Fant, Simi Cobb, T. Gray Scales, and uh, and Ian Thomas. So that's why I put the number right at three and a half. And you're going to take the under. I'm going on. You know what, man? I think. I'm going to give the Hoosiers some love. I'm going to take the slight over because I really don't like what I saw from the opening season under Tom Allen. And I'm wondering if we're going back into hibernation, bro. <laughs> Who will have more players drafted overall, Indiana, Michigan, or Northwestern? Hmm. Uh, I'll just... You put Michigan in there to, for me to take the take the bait. It's one of those that seems easy. So you look at got to remember how young Michigan was. I always are. How many guys they have coming back? So you have Maurice Hurst will get drafted for sure. Mason Cole will get drafted for sure. Mike McCray will get drafted for sure. All right. They only had like five draft eligible players anyway. So there's three. It really comes down to do you think Khalid Hill, the fullback somebody that that was great in 2016 and then they like totally forgot he was on our roster last year 
do you do you think an NFL team takes a look at his 2016 film and says, "Hey, man, that's a guy we could use as an H back." So yeah, let's take a flyer on him. It really comes down so to to whether you think Fan at Indiana, Khalid Hill at uh, um, at Michigan, or if you think you know, get Justin Jackson, Iguabike at, at Northwestern, and there's somebody else I'm forgetting. So it really comes down to. Which of those schools do you think is most likely to produce a fourth? Uh, I'll still take Michigan. Yeah, I'll take Michigan. Uh, I, already went, I already went over on Indiana, so I'm going to go with Indiana. Yeah. For the first time since 2013, Purdue will have a player picked before the big before the fifth round. True or false? I'll say false. Yeah, I'm going to say false, too, because they won't. I mean, I, I looked. I don't, I don't see it happening. But how about that? You're a Power Five school. I think that tells you what kind of job Jeff Brom did. And I, I we'll get into this more next week. I they're they're one of the few spring games I've had a chance to actually watch so far because I've tried to watch more of these the last couple of years. But there's been so much. Even the few of the SEC ones last week, the weather was bad. And when the weather's that bad in a spring game, here's the thing: when they're holding the spring game and the weather's that bad. They're not doing anything. There's no point to even watching it. You know, you're, you're, it's calisthenics with a ball. All right. So, so many of these games were played in such crap weather or weren't played at all that I've not had a chance to watch too many. I did watch all of Purdue's. Holy cow! Does their defense look small, John? Hmm. I mean, it looks small. Hmm. Right. That tells you underdeveloped. Okay. And uh, Jeff Brom's got his work cut out for him, replacing those guys with you know the recruiting base he inherited. And when you haven't had a guy get picked before the fifth round in five years, I think that tells you how, how good of a job Jeff Brom did in his first year last year. DJ Moore will be the first Maryland wide receiver taken for in the first round since Darius Hayward Bay in yeah. 2009. Yeah, uh, that's I'm, I'm, guess, I'm guessing you're going to go true on that. <sighs> He's an iffy guy, right? There's like 25 guys that could get picked anywhere from 23rd to 65th in this draft because there's maybe seven or eight elite prospects, and then there's like another 60 guys that could all start right away. You know, I'll guarantee you there's more than 25 guys getting picked from 23rd to 65. Matter of fact, well, you- I guarantee you that's 32 is the number you're looking for. <laughs> My point is, yeah, but some of those 32, you wouldn't consider picking at 23. Oh, okay. That's my point. I see, I see. Yeah. My point is, if you're if you're the New England Patriots sitting there with the 23rd pick in the draft, you know, you could like 30 guys, 25 guys that have almost the exact same grade. That's mm-hmm. my point. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Um, which I probably could have explained better. I like, this. I like the way you did it. Um, gosh. I'm going to say false. Okay. But it's going to be close. He won't be on the board long in the second round. Michigan State won't have a player drafted for the first time since 1966. I'm going to say true, considering they have, what, 19 or 20 coming back? 20 starters and uh, a couple of senior defensive players like Chris Spry. I don't know. If they get drafted, we're talking sixth or seventh rounders. So... I'm going to say true. Yeah, and, and what's funny about that, 
when I went I went back and looked at when was the last time they didn't have anybody drafted. Well, it was the 1966 team. And if you recall, in 1965, they were national champions. Returned Bubba Smith and a bunch of those guys. That was the era before you could declare early. So a lot of those guys were in their junior class. And they brought a lot of those guys back. And that, that was the year they had famous game against Notre Dame. One versus two. And at the end of the year, 1966, the 10-10 the tie. So... Sparty's probably hoping that history repeats itself, but I'm going to say true. I don't think they'll have a player drafted. Yeah, I've heard Podolak talk about those uh, that Michigan State team from 1965 oftentimes as he tries to remember through uh, the haze. Uh, number 10, the Big Ten will have its first quarterback taken in the first round of the NFL draft since Kerry Collins in 1995. No, this is for next year, the oh, 2019 in the draft. 2019 yeah. draft. Little preview. Um, Little preview. Little okay, let's yes. let's go through the list of who that might be. Can't think of anyone from Ohio State or Minnesota or Iowa, unless Nathan Stanley's that guy, and I doubt that. No Nebraska. Uh, I don't think you'll see that from Northwestern. Uh, not from. I'll say this though about Nebraska. I know I poo pooed this when you brought it up. But looking at some stuff I've been listening to, I think you're going to be right. Prove me wrong. I think Tanner Lee's going to get drafted based on yeah. what I'm hearing. So yeah. I wanted to give you your propers. I, I know I kind of I kind of mocked that and said, come on, man. I but think I said he would be on a right. 53-man roster. But I okay. can't remember. But I, I think he'll make it. I think he'll make it. So I, I don't know, Steve. I mean – Penn, I mean, Penn State, um, gosh, why is his name escaping me? Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley. Is he a good enough of a, is he a good enough passer to get drafted? Yes. But is he good enough to go in the first round? I don't think so. Um, so that's not Can gonna... he have a Baker Mayfield kind of year because their body types are very similar? I don't know. I don't know. Saquon Barkley and Gasicki are gone. That hurts, uh, especially for that offense. But remember, Baker Mayfield lost – Two two outstanding running backs, Samaji Pirine and uh, Joe uh, Milton, and then lost uh, an you know an All American wide receiver. Dee Westbrook was a Heisman finalist. Which those programs he lost those guys and was and and won the Heisman the next year. Do you think Trace McSorley no, can do that? I don't. I don't. Okay, because if he can, then he can be a first round pick. But it, but it, he's the only hope, isn't he? Unless no, I think Mich- there's actually several top several. Unless Michigan Thorson, gets, yeah. I think Clayton Thorson, First depending round. on where the knee is at, yeah. I think he's a possibility. I don't see that. I think uh, you mentioned Shea Patterson, if he's eligible. Let me throw another name out there that, that we're not talking about now, but in the system he's in with the coach that he has and the way that he came on at the end of last year has Bobblehead a packet – Elijah Sindelar at Purdue. Keep an, name, keep an eye on that name. His size, the system he's in, the coaching he's getting from Jeff Brom. You're talking about a kid that finished out the year on a torn ACL hmm. and is very athletic and as a part-time starter had an 18-7 to touchdown-to-interception ratio and just absolutely lit it up in the bowl game on a torn ACL. It, I, I think he's a guy that he's got some Josh Allen in him. In that, I'm not saying he's that physically gifted, but a raw talent that I could I could see some teams 
depending on how he develops this year, I think he's a possibility. I thought you were going to go out Tony Brook on me. Um, well, I don't know. The Alex Horney Brook we saw in the Orange Bowl, the one we saw the whole rest of his career. Which one? Yeah, probably going to. I be. mean, the Alex Horney Brook that got that was the that got benched two years ago was averaging about an interception and a half a week last year, and then in the Orange Bowl looked like freaking you know uh, Bart Starr. So I mean, you know, which one are we talking? Or, or you know, which one are we talking about? Right. If, if that's who he is now, then yeah, I could see it. Because the one thing we did see last year is. Yeah, the, he yeah he had the turnovers, but there were one or two times a game. Dude put some throws in some windows. Go back and watch. He he only made like three really good throws against Michigan in that game, but all three he made were like out of this world good. The windows he was putting it in. So, so if he can get some development and some consistency, there's some talent there. Clayton Thorson has more size, an NFL body, NFL mobility. I think he was clearly on that trajectory before the knee injury. We have to wait and see. And then we mentioned Shea Patterson at Michigan. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what kind of a pro prospect, Brian, the work he is at Michigan State. Uh, we know the guy is a really good athlete. We don't really know what kind of arm talent he has. They don't ask him to throw the ball down the field all that much. you know. So um, I, I, think, I think potentially – this is, and then there's guys that I don't think are NFL prospects, but Victor Viermontes in Minnesota was considered maybe the top junior college quarterback in the in the country last year. This is going to be a pretty deep quarterback league coming into this season. You mentioned Nathan Stanley. Did, did he set the Iowa single season record for touchdown throws? Close. One, one off, yeah. One off. So I, I, this is a deep quarterback league. No doubt, Maryland's supposed to bring back both those kids who were really good at the start of last year before they both blew out their ACLs. You know, I mean, this is this is going to be a deep quarterback league this year, John. No doubt. Typically means good things for the uh, profile as it relates to nationally. All right, that'll do it for this installment of the Bigger Ten Podcast. I'm John Miller for Steve Dace. We'll talk to you soon.